You're listening to the Harborside Church Podcast. To connect with us online, go to www.harborside.org. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, good morning and welcome everybody to Church Online. Hope you are well. Hope you and your family are well. Well, like I said before, we are really looking forward to meeting again physically soon. Not just now, but in a few weeks. So please bear with us as we continue with Church Online. Hey, I want to take this opportunity to thank everyone who's made the online thing possible. If it were just less left to me, I think I just would have been sending sermon text messages to you guys. I've got no idea how this works. So a massive thanks to the tech team. Massive thanks to the worship team. Haven't they been great? It's just been awesome seeing our musicians come together. And thank you for logging in every week. And thank you for being a part of our live stream and our pre-records and interviews and online or in person, thank you. Hey, it's showing us that we are the body of Christ, even online. It's encouraging. Absolutely. And thank you, the Chua family, for praying and reading the Bible for us this morning. And hey, what a passage we have in front of us this morning. What a climax to this incredible story, the dreamer, the story of Joseph. Not the end. Next week is our final sermon in the series. But man, what a high point. Joseph finally revealing himself to his estranged brothers. We see a lot in this passage, don't we? You would have felt it in the reading. Lots of emotion, forgiveness, reconciliation, right? We see God's plan coming to pass before their very eyes. It's hard not to be moved by this passage. I think we see ourselves in this, or at least we long to. Well, what I want to talk about today is that big one. I want to talk about forgiveness. Of course, not everything. You can barely scratch the surface of a topic like this in 15 minutes. But that's what I want to talk about today, forgiveness. C.S. Lewis said it right when he said, everyone thinks that forgiveness is a lovely idea until they have something to forgive. (laughs) Isn't, Isn't that absolutely true? Forgiveness is an interesting dinner party conversation topic until you've got some skin in the game. Then it becomes very real as you have to participate in the difficulty of forgiveness. You know, I wonder if you've experienced much of this yourself. I bet you have. I've struggled with it. I'm going to share part of my story in that uh, this morning. I hope that's okay. But I think to be human is to experience the pain and difficulty of forgiveness. Now, I think the passage that we've had read to us today teaches us three things about forgiveness, or at least brings up these three themes when we're talking about forgiveness, right? The first one is the cost, the cost of forgiveness. The second, I think, is what do we do with revenge? What do we do with seemingly our almost impulsive right for revenge? What do we do with that? And third, reconciliation and forgiveness. Are they the same thing? I want to talk about that a bit. So the cost of forgiveness, what do we do about revenge and reconciliation and forgiveness? Are they the same thing? Let's talk about that this morning. Okay, well, we know that in the story so far, Joseph has been sold into slavery by his hate-filled and jealous brothers. He has worked as a slave in the household of Potiphar, a high-up Egyptian official, But there he was wrongly accused of something he didn't do and was sent to prison for a long time. But even there, God was with him. He was with him in the waiting 
working on his character, preparing him for what was next. Now, he remained in prison a long time, years, until finally God allowed him to interpret a dream for Pharaoh. Then he was, it feels like in an instant, quickly his fortunes changed, promoted from slave in jail to second in charge over the whole land of Egypt to manage the upcoming food crisis that was about to grip the pretty much known world at the time. And Joseph excels in his leadership. He does a great job administering in this time and the whole, seemingly the whole world comes to him for life, to buy bread. And part of the whole world coming to him is his brothers, his family. They come to him and kneel before him, fulfilling the dream he had as a teenager. And in the chapters before this, we're at chapter 45 today, but the chapters before this, we see this sort of back and forth. and We see Joseph testing his brothers to see if they are how he remembers them, hate-filled and jealous. And he sets up the final test in chapter 44 to see if they will leave behind, if they will forsake the youngest brother, Benjamin. And amazingly, Judah who, whose idea it was to sell Joseph into slavery, now puts himself forward to give his life in place of Benjamin. I mean, God has been doing a work in his life. God, not just working on Joseph's character, but transformation for Judah. Amazing thing. And then here we are at chapter 45. Finally, Joseph is satisfied and reveals himself to his brothers. He sends everyone out of the room kind of to heighten the drama, um, wants privacy, I guess, sends all his Egyptian attendants out of the room, but that doesn't matter so much because in verse 2, we are told, it says he wept aloud so that even the Egyptians he sent out could still hear him. And just let's take a moment just to look at this. Look at Joseph's emotion. You know, anyone who's had to forgive something big or experience something traumatic knows it's not easy. Emotion here is unavoidable. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't think it just shows us that this was kind of what Joseph was like. Oh, he was just a crier. You know, he was a feeler, emotional guy, kind of like me. This is how we dealt with things like this. I don't think it predominantly shows us that. I think it shows us just how deep his wounds were, how hurt he was. I mean, remember what these very people did to him, sold him into slavery. He's missed out on 20-odd years with his family, of seeing his brother, young brother, of seeing his father. That's been denied him. He can't get that back. This is no little sob from Joseph, is it? These are deep, hacking cries, messy crying. You know what I'm talking about? And I think what it's showing us here, it's showing us the cost of forgiveness. There's a cost. You know, we're witnessing the toll this has taken on Joseph. And in doing so, I think this just increases the intensity of what happens next. Uh, some of you may know, I've sh probably shared a little bit of this story before, that uh, my father walked out of my family when I was quite young, when I was seven years old, the age of my daughter at the moment. It's a huge thing to go through. It's a very difficult thing to process. And I'm Maybe you've been through something similar, maybe something worse. I'm not saying this is the worst thing anyone can go through, not at all, but this is my story. The repercussions of that, of the broken family of my father leaving were huge, huge for me and for my family. The ripple effects were immense. 
you know, the feelings of rejection and hurt and loneliness can really stay with you. You know, my mum only recently reminded me that when I was young, at that time, I was pretty much inconsolable for long periods of time. And I was so stressed and so anxious because of what happened that my hair started to fall out. Imagine what that would be like as a young boy dealing with that. Imagine what that was like for my mum to have to deal with that. You see, you can't just brush aside significant pain that's been done to you. You know, we can't just expect to get over things. I don't think we're meant to. I don't think God expects that of us. It's okay to mourn. It's okay to grieve. It's okay to be sorry for what was lost. It's okay to lament. That's the language we have in our faith. It's, I think it's important to say this. You know, if we are the ones who have caused pain, if we're the ones trying to seek forgiveness, then we've got to be aware that we can't just iron over the wrongs that we've done and try and manipulate responses from other people. We can't do that. I think if the Black Lives Matter protests have taught us anything, and I think they've taught us a lot, they've shown us that there are deep hurts and wrongs that go back generations and generations that still have massive effects today. And they've got to be brought to light, whether we like it or not. Even if it ain't pretty, we must not look away. You know, when someone wrongs us, they load us up with a burden to carry. That's what it's like being wronged. They load us up with a burden to carry. But thanks be to God, we do not have to carry that burden on our own. So the first thing we witness from our passage today is the cost of forgiveness. The reality that wounds can go deep. We can't just iron over the hurt and the pain we experience. And yet we don't have to live there. Okay, let's keep on moving. Let's talk about revenge. Let's talk about relinquishing, that is letting go of our right for revenge. Well, what happens in the story here? Well, in the next section, Joseph finally reveals himself to his brothers. Here I am, guess who? It's me, Joseph. How's my father? His brothers are so shocked, they can't speak. It's hard to blame them. The most probably amazing person they've ever met, the most powerful person they've ever met, turns out to be the young brother they sold into slavery. No wonder they can't speak. A combination of shock and fear. You know, I wonder what was going through their head. Shock, fear, yep. But I wonder if they're thinking, this is curtains for us. Is Joseph going to exact his revenge now? He certainly has the power to do it. Well, that doesn't happen, does it? Instead, Joseph assures them of God's greater plan in all this. What they intended for harm, God uses for good. We're going to talk all about that next week, spend more time on that. Joseph takes care of them. He invites his brothers to live under his protection in the land of Egypt. Joseph here relinquishes his right to revenge. Yeah, I wonder if you've ever felt the very real and sometimes quite understandable desire for revenge. It's easy to see in young people. It's easy to see in my kids. You know, if one of them wrongs one of them, it's just instinctive to want to wrong back. We talk about it being a burden. I burden you. Well, I'm going to burden you back. It's easy to see in kids, but unfortunately, it's pretty easy to see in adults too. It's almost a, a natural instinctive reaction to want to do harm to that person who's done harm to you. 
you know, I used to dream, kind of daydream about having it out with my father, you know, when I was growing up. You know, I was so young when our relationship broke that the sort of hurt and the pain turned into anger as I grew older and it became that um, typical angry adolescent. You know, I used to play scenarios around in my mind. I wonder if you've done that yourself. You know, I kind of, I wanted to make sure that he knew what he had done was wrong, that he knew the pain he'd caused me and my family. I wanted to make him pay. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to make him pay, driving some sort of satisfaction from pain I could inflict. But the closer I came to some sort of day of reckoning, and truth is, the closer the gospel came to taking over my heart, I realized it was just a futile exercise, that what I wanted, contentment, fulfillment, would never come from inflicting pain. It just couldn't, from seeking revenge. You know, we don't ignore the pain we're experiencing, but nor do we look to the creation of more pain as a solution. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said, and we need to hear a lot from him these days, he said these very wonderful and famous words, returning violence for violence multiplies violence, adding a deeper darkness to a night already devoid of stars. Darkness cannot drive out darkness, only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate, only love can do that. Incredibly powerful words, aren't they? And as Christians, as Jesus followers, we are children of the light. As Jesus followers, we are children marked by love. You see, the gospel gives us the resources to deal with revenge and injustice. Now, how so? Well, if we believe there is no God, or if we believe that God might be there, but he's kind of weak and not really in control and he can't deal with justice, well, then we certainly might be tempted to take things into our own hands. If we fear that people are just going to get away with stuff, people won't be called to account, that evil will never be dealt with, maybe we should take matters into our own hands. But there is a God and he is a God of justice, maybe more so than we're comfortable with because his justice extends not just to people out there, but to people in here too. Because there is a God of justice, because he's a God of perfect justice, we can let go of our right to revenge and trust that God will bring justice unlike the world has ever seen. Because God is a better judge than you or I, because he sees all, he knows all, we can leave things to him. He deals with justice and mercy pretty well. Just look at the cross. Okay, let's move into our final point. We've talked about the cost of forgiveness. We've talked about what to do with revenge, relinquishing our right to revenge, for revenge. Now let's talk about forgiveness and reconciliation in our final few moments here. Well, in our final verses of our passage for today, we see just a beautiful picture of reconciliation, don't we? Verses 14 and 15. Then Joseph fell upon his brother Benjamin's neck and wept. And Benjamin wept upon his neck, and he kissed all his brothers and wept upon them. And after that, his brothers talked with him. What a beautiful picture of reconciliation. It's beautiful, isn't it? 
terribly broken, messed up relationships healed. Once just so hate-filled, now reconciled and embracing. You know, to be perfectly honest with you, it took me a long time to process the hurt and anger I felt towards my father. The human heart is a complicated thing, and these are complicated issues. It takes, they take time, and they take God's gracious hand and the counsel of good, godly men and women. Because of that, I knew I had to come to a place where I could offer forgiveness. Now, I do think there is a difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. Right? To be reconciled to someone requires the positive action of two people. But we cannot control the actions of other people, how people respond. We can only do what is asked of us. And what does Christ ask of us? Forgive as the Lord forgave you. So the question for us is this. Are we prepared to extend forgiveness, regardless of the other person, controversial, regardless if they ask for repentance? Can we come to a place where we say, I'm willing to forgive? I can offer forgiveness. Can you do that? Can we do that? You know, in my early 20s, um, my father and I, we sought each other out. And uh, in the back of a granny flat, late one night, we had our moment. Through tears and clutching at words, uh, we had our moment. I needed him to know that I offered him forgiveness. Forgiveness was given, apologies were made. And I won't lie and say that our relationship is perfect or even close to it. I won't put a neat bow on it like that. But I will say that we had reconciliation that day. You know, you may long for reconciliation yourself in your relationships. Maybe family, friends, people that are close to you. I don't know who. You may long to be reconciled. You may look at the story of Joseph and think, I wish that was me. You may think of my story. I wish, I wish it ended like that, even though it's not perfect. I wish it ended like that. But let me tell you, you can be reconciled, made right, with the God of the universe this very day. And if you are a Christian and already reconciled with him, you need to be encouraged in what is the truth in your life today. You see, as much as I longed for reconciliation and a closeness with my father, the greatest peace I've ever experienced and the greatest peace I can offer you today is reconciliation with the one who made you, our true heavenly father. And he has won this for us in Jesus Christ. In Jesus Christ, well, he knows. He shows us the cost of forgiveness. The only way to extend forgiveness to humankind was to endure the cross. There was no other way. The life he offers, yes, is free, but it doesn't come cheap. It's free, but it doesn't come cheap. Jesus Christ relinquishes his right for revenge. If anyone had rights, let's talk about the sinless son of God having rights. How does he use them? He was stripped, beaten, falsely accused, spat at, but he absorbed these wrongs and chose forgiveness over revenge. He prayed on the cross, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. 
You see, you and I have the opportunity to be reconciled to God because of Jesus. He did this for you. And in doing so, we take a huge step in being reconciled to each other. Because when we understand that it was because of our sin that Christ hung on that cross, then how can we hold on to our rights? How can we hold on our right for revenge and retaliation? We simply have to let it go. And when we do this, then we're in a place to be reconciled to others because we are in the place of humility. And it is these people that will shine the light of true reconciliation in our dark world that is devoid of stars. May we be those people. In Jesus' powerful name, amen.